Labour's watched. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> so in this episode, we are going to discuss the uh, recent blockbuster movie musical yeah. extravaganza. Extravaganza. Or wannabe extravaganza. Yeah, wannabe, definitely. Um, the Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Starring Hugh Jackman, of yeah. course. And we are also going to just update you a bit on like things that we've been enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, like that's it. I feel like yeah. that's a terrible introduction, but <laughs> <laughs> well, generally there's a lot in the works coming up, so we're sort of taking a pause at the minute. Yeah, this to, is a bit of a prelude yeah. for we uh, are very excited that a lot of the really buzzed about Oscar films that we discussed in our last podcast, which have been a long time coming in the UK, finally out. Yeah, are finally out. So um, in the coming sort of week, we're going to see Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. um, and then we've got various other things lined up too. So. Uh, yeah, we thought we'd take a break from some of those heavy-hitting Oscar noms yeah, to maybe, discuss yeah. the opposite of a heavy-hitting <laughs> Oscar nom. Well, they wanted to be a heavy-hitting pa- Oscar Yeah, nom, we they? think they did want it to be. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, shall we get into let's it? Let's talk about The Greatest Showman. So, we went to see The Greatest Showman about two, a month two- ago? It was actually quite a long time before ago. Before Christmas? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't before Christmas. Well, no, I remember it was the day before my birthday. So early oh, January. you're right. Okay, so about three weeks ago. Oh, wow, it seems like years. Yeah. So, and obviously we kind of been saving it for a podcast, so we're going to jump into it now and have a chat about our thoughts about The Greatest Showman. Yeah, so I think most people um, probably have heard about this movie. It's a movie musical mm-hmm. based on the life of P.T. Barnum, who was... The founder of Barnum and Bailey Circuses. Yeah, and kind of the founder of the modern-day circus, as we yeah, perhaps now know it's The kind of thing you'd see in the Edinburgh Festival, for example, with the big striped tent. Yeah, And exactly. it's sort of chronicling his journey towards, well, begin having a company with a big striped tent and elephants and performers and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of meant to be inspired, I'm saying, this is air quotes, by real-life events. To yeah, extent. and it was... Very much the brainchild of Hugh Jackman, the performer that we all know from Australia, X-Men. Logan. Yeah, so he's a very, very popular, charismatic, well-liked actor, which yeah. is always a good start for Definitely. Um, but I think it was very much a passion project of his. Since, like, 2009, he's been trying to yeah, get studios to pick it up. And the um, the music was done by the uh, the people behind La La Land. And, and Dear Evan Hansen, the yeah. um, Broadway musical that's won all the Tony Awards this year. So, big credentials. And then the cast includes Zac Efron, uh, Zendaya, Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. A lot of very well-known people. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. As well, who doesn't actually sing, but she's in it, because she's Rebecca Ferguson. So, definitely a, a big hitter that I think... I also followed uh, I followed Zac Efron on Instagram because why not? <laughs> and um, there was a lot of PR around it and hyping. There was a story where Hugh Jackman for the recording or something sang through oh, a sonar he was throat because yeah, he, he just was, had an operation. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy story. And then Buster's photo put basically and, shows how committed Hugh Jackman was. I will say Hugh Jackman goes full on hundred percent to all the projects he does. So yeah. to give it to him, but. Again, definitely very much a passion project, which I think shows through in good ways and bad ways. Mm. Definitely, there are definitely flaws in the actual show, f- film show itself, that possibly were a matter of kill your babies. You know, the, the there's a technique for writers which is like kill your children. You yeah, know. it is an idea you love, but you know isn't working. You need to kill it. Yeah, they clearly wanted this movie to 
do very well in the box office, which I think it has done like... Oh, it has done really well, yeah. Well, I think it's done fairly well, but it hasn't kind of got that sort of Oscar buzz, which they were apparently after, which is kind of hilarious because it's really not in that category of me. No, I know. I think they were hoping that like after this, probably the success of La La Land... Uh, Yeah, La La Land, definitely. They were probably thinking there was an appetite for this kind of film. Um, And I think there definitely is an appetite for movie musicals. Mm-hmm. And Helena and I are definitely 100% in the category. We're behind all of it, like, yeah. yeah and, and we really should be probably the audience for this film. Or at least that's what I thought before I went into that's it. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, but actually, I don't think that was the case. Um, yeah, and absolutely. I think, I think the key thing I'd want to start with saying about this film in terms of like Hugh Jackman's passion project was that, as we both kind of said, and I probably was more immune to its flaws than Flowermore's because... You know, it's a musical, I can get very woolly-eyed about it. But you're completely right when you said there was too much Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and, and the thing that I would like to clarify is that I I love musicals. Yeah, you do. And also enjoy cheesy films. Like, maybe only, like, a week after seeing this film, I rewatched Mamma Mia, had a great mm, time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, it's, hard, it's surprising to me that I didn't like this film, except for the fact that, having watched it, I'm like, yeah, I see why I didn't like it. Yeah. I think there are elements of it which are enjoyable. And I, when it began, and it was very theatrical, oh, was, I was like, yeah. that was really exciting. Was really and we both kind of like looked at each other and we were like, yeah, we're so here for this. Yeah. But then, as Helena said, so, so Hugh Jackman is front and centre the entire movie. Every, I think all but two songs, three songs, he is a the singer yeah Yeah. and there's several complications about that so number one P.T. Barnum was actually not this glorified wonderful do-gooder who brought together people who were considered freaks and outcasts and needed championing and you know he he wasn't that kind of person he was actually you know a a racist and a person who basically used people and he was doing it for a quick buck yeah and whilst you can understand why they didn't want to tell that story, one of the main things that Helena and I said after watching this film is why didn't they just fictionalise it completely? And they basically didn't... just have, like, a made-up character rather I, I... than have this really problematic man at the centre of it and try and just, you know, strip all that away and make him, like... His his one flaw was, like, he didn't really, like, care for his family all the time. That was it. Yeah, but... trying to imply that... Try, I mean, yeah, trying to imply that, like, it didn't matter... And trying to be like, oh, it's inspired by, like, I'm sorry, but the issue is it it had, it smacked of, it smacked of a biopic, like a true yeah, life tale. Like the, one of the impacts I think they were trying to have was like, this was a real thing that these people who were outcast in society and ridiculed, which is completely what happened, you know, mm. think about Queen Victoria in the 18... 18- um, 40s and 50s um, she had you know um, dwarves serve her at court because she saw them as jesters you know she found them really entertaining and uh, in the court of Charles XIV um, and uh, Louis XIV even in Paris you know in the 1700s you know his wife was renowned for having like a little friend you know so it's a, it's a really problematic part of kind of like historical culture that exists and so to say to take that and then to try and make it into a heartwarming true tale just doesn't really work so no. i mean and honestly i didn't need to suspend i didn't need to have this be a real true story it could have worked just as well had it been like a fictionalized romanticized version then i might have accepted it more yeah i agree i think it would have been a lot easier to forgive it its flaws if that were the case yeah um and then the other alternative that they probably could have done was actually tell the story from the point of view of one of these performers who ends up working well, yeah. for pt barnum and given that actually the performer's 
in his troupe have some of the best songs. Yeah, they do. That actually, that would have made more sense. But instead, it very much had to be about Hugh Jackman's role. And his journey. Yeah. yeah. And, and as I said, this comes from us actually liking Hugh Jackman as an actor. I think if you hate Hugh Jackman, do not go and see this film. <laughs> You'll see yeah. Hugh Jackman. But even, but like, even for me, like at the end of the film, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Like I got to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't cope. Like well, it needs to end. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, that was definitely definitely the key issue was that if they told it from the perspective of Michelle Williams as the beleaguered but still supportive wife, yeah. or any of them, I honestly, when I was saying to you afterwards that I thought that like the Zac Efron Zendaya love storyline was actually far more compelling. He was Zach Efron was a far more like likable, less problematic character. Yeah. Zendaya was just in generally amazing. So had they sort of been like, I mean, fine, have P.T. Barnum be a sympathetic figure. It's not the worst thing in the world. But equally, you could have him start on a journey of exploiting these you know, people for money, and, and then, then change, ha- and then something. hire yeah. Zach Efron, who shows him the error of his ways, and then they set up the big top. Because obviously, the film ends with them setting up the now renowned circus top, and then P.T. Barnum gives his work over to Zac Efron who becomes the greatest showman and starts off with Zendaya and all yeah, the other characters which was also too like, random like at the end where he just passed on the baton yeah. you were like I mean had, had it been from the performer's perspective of and you know just limit you wouldn't have to limit Hugh Jackman's role that much change the story that much but to put in more backstory for the actual performers who get none as we were saying earlier we had no idea why Zendaya and her brother were considered outcasts and they were acrobats and it's because they were African-American. But they... So that's... You know, there's, there's lots of criticisms that you could levy at this film and certainly the fact that they actually don't really explain to you how these people who were being... who were being... Um, outcast from society like what they're experiencing and they never name by name that Zendaya and her brother feel... Um, on the outskirts of society yeah. because of the fact they're African-American. They don't name... They don't say that explicitly and I think that... I'm not really sure why they made that choice, um, but it means that they, in, rather than highlighting like the problems of slavery that were happening at the time, mm-hmm. or you know the incredibly problematic racial relations in America at the time, they just sort of don't really go into that, and that's like yeah. a recurring theme. Like you know, we were before uh, doing this podcast, we did read quite a lot of reviews to try and you so know. Just try, I'm trying. I was just trying to work out what I thought of it. Yeah, I, I knew that I did enjoy it, but I just couldn't suspend what I found problematic about it, which often I, I can do with musicals yeah. and films like this that I like. Like Twilight, I could talk you to death about why that's a good series, even though I know it's really problematic. But this, just like, I can't do it. So and normally I, I, I can. Think, so to go back to the, yeah, the fact that the backstories weren't really gone into, um, you know, there's a review by Screen Rant who said... Um, you know, the biggest problem was the fact that Barnum's team of performers hardly register as characters and had very little to do. No, yeah. And I think it, that was even the case with Zendaya and Zac Efron, who actually, like, they have this one, like, really great um, number together, mm. which is quite romantic and exciting. But then they're very much, like, secondary characters. So there's a whole bit where Zac Efron, like, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to die. And I was like, I really don't think he is going to die. But I was very unmoved by all of that because I hadn't really had enough time to connect to them as characters. Yeah. Whereas if they'd been the main characters, I probably would have felt very differently. But they weren't. No, they very much Because Zendaya, it could have been a thing where she calls him out on the fact that he doesn't recognise his own privilege. You know, that's kind of the reason why he, she can't be with him because he's trying to be like, it'll be fine. She's like, no, it won't be. And yeah. that's all stuffed into one song. Arguably, um, of course, very well performed on ropes, swinging around this big, oh, yeah. this, this, you know, it's all, you know, and I think what's what bugged me is that Zendaya, Zac Efron, uh, Michelle Williams, Roger Ferguson were all billed 
at the same level as Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that's true. I didn't know it was going to be the Hugh Jackman show. <laughs> it got to a point, and I think one of the key problems as well is when, you know, when he's auditioning all the performers, yeah. and he's being like, and obviously he's giving, you know, I, I did, you know, I find that quite endearing, the idea that he knows he's peddling a lie, and everyone else knows he's peddling a lie, and their, you know, and their joy in it, the performers at The Bearded Lady, is to be seen and to have a positive job they can do and that's all fine but the issue is is that they're given no agency there's no sense that they wanted to do it what's their decision making why do they feel they want to actually step forward into the limelight and become celebrated for their differences rather than just like because some of them you know just because she's a bit delayed doesn't mean she wants to become a soloist and revel in the fact people want to stare at her yeah and they do make a point of showing that they also encountered prejudice and people Mm. even whilst in the limelight people weren't always reacting to them positively but you don't know anything about them i mean another review that stood out for me was one by salon who said um the the big song this is me and all you know a lot of the songs are very catchy this was a good song Mm -hmm. he said while it's a good song it is a standard empowerment piece that doesn't address the specifics of its character situation and i think that mm-hmm. applies across the board for all yeah. the performers and they're also very much aside from zendaya who kind of has her own storyline going on with zach efron all the others are very much like lumped together do they even know the name no names. i couldn't tell you and they maybe have one or two lines and i just think the problem with that is that they're trying to build this film as being empowering and being about you know oppressed people getting their moment to shine but they and it don't just shine. doesn't work because they don't shine a eh? and also if you read anything about the backstory to the film you know that that wasn't the case so and it's just the fact that you like it's like there he pt barnum hugh jackman has himself be rewarded for the role he plays in using them to make a buck and that's what kind of what happened and mm. the problem is there's no empowerment given to any of the performers because you don't know their names you don't know their stories you don't know their histories they're supposed to be there's a song Right near the end, where he's all sad because his, you know, his his um his museum of curiosities, you know, the building he mm. had, you know, built had bought for the circus to perform in, had burned down because some hooligans, which he, you know, he wasn't there. He was off touring with his songbird. You know, you know, he left these people alone, and then they, you know, walking walk into this pub that he's in, and they were like, "We still love you because you took us and you gave us this opportunity to be in the limelight." And I'm like, no. He gave them the opportunity, fine, but it's their talent and their perseverance and their belief in themselves that made the show a success. Like, yeah. fine, I will give it. Hugh Jackman is a fantastic performer. That was across the board kind of what yeah. reviewer said. I agree with that. But the issue is, is that like when you basically make it all about him, and then he had yet another song where he walked down a line of photographs and was like, <laughs> I've made a mistake. Look at my family. I'm so sad. And he like ran through some steam and to get yeah, to his family. The worst and moment, like, like, and then after this, after this uh, photo song, he rides an elephant <laughs> through the streets of New York uh-huh. to his daughter's ballet recital, which is just animal cruelty. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, there were several points in the film they very much like gloss over the fact that the animals were being kept in the circus because obviously that's something that's not really approved of now but then he suddenly is riding this elephant and, and you're meant to be smiling that's like, the bit where I was like, like I need this film to be over I can't cope with this like it's too yeah. much too much and then and then also you know half the issue is that he wants his daughters to be accepted into polite society so the whole idea was that the whole, the whole you know the whole idea was that in the end he got money and his um, his children got to be happy doing their ballet performances in the biggest opera house apparently in New York because <laughs> apparently they have their ballet performances in this massive opera house and I think yeah the, there was lots of little bits lots of little gems I thought in the film like the Zendaya Zac Efron stuff Zac Efron just generally Zendaya generally the performers and the 
they had performance. Honestly, the dancing was slick. The cinematography was really, I thought, very, very good. Kind of music video-esque, as you said. Very music video, yeah. Which I quite enjoyed. I mean, the songs were commercial, but equally they were good. I enjoyed... I thought Michelle Williams did a great job holding up her own. Rebecca Ferguson did a great job. So there were lots of little gems of things that were completely over over obscured by the fact that they wanted to make it the Hugh Jackman P.T. Yeah. Barnum show, and they relied too heavily on the fact they thought that Hugh Jackman would be a charismatic enough performer like, to pull it off. Yeah. And I think the fact that the music the musical soundtrack is still number one in the UK albums chart shows that it is bankable. Like, that kind of commercialised musical think, stuff people like. But mm. as you said, with Oscar buzz, it just it fell flat because no. it's not and a good film. The, you know, you, you mentioned how popular the soundtrack is. And I think that a lot of people would enjoy the songs with no context at all oh, in the films. Yeah. Um, and, you know... I think when you go and see a musical, you don't necessarily expect the same character development as when you go and see, mm-hmm. like, Call Me By Your Name or something, you know, of that. Or Ladybird. Or Ladybird, which we'll talk about we later. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily expect that, but I still think that you, you know, the power of musicals is that it moves you via the songs. Yeah. And I don't really think that they were the kind of songs that move you. I think they were the kind of songs that you were like, wow, that was really fun to listen to and that was yeah. really cool choreography. Absolutely. But I... They probably weren't my kind of thing either. Like, I did find them a bit, just a bit, probably too kind of commercial and mm-hmm. specific to this yeah, moment. Absolutely. But I could also appreciate how they were good songs, but I think that you would view them very differently from the film. Like, and, you, yeah, you would just you would just see them as sort of two different entities. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. With It's like with the, oh gosh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, for example. People read the screenplay and were like, this is ridiculous. Mm. People saw the show... And we're like, oh, it all makes sense. Because you're right, on stage, in real life, there are certain limitations you accept. But on the big screen, especially when a film wants to have Oscar bars, it has to hit all the right points. And it could have hit great points for... Um, it could have hit great points for diversity and for discrimination and anti-discrimination and great female roles. But again, like... It kind of shot itself in the It did. Like, Michelle Williams, a wonderful actress and singer and dancer, it turns out, is reduced to a wife who literally does nothing but sort of stay at his side. He's very loyal, yeah. Who is, yeah. honestly, I think she's a really fantastic, interesting character. She runs away with him. She's obviously, she obviously doesn't see the boundaries of class as a big deal, but she's, because it's the Hugh Jackman show, any personality or kind of like impact she might have is reduced. And then I was reading about, so Rebecca Ferguson plays this woman, I can't Jenny Lind. Jenny Lind. Who was a real, real opera singer. Yeah. Called the night, Silver Nightingale? The Swedish Nightingale. Swedish Nightingale. So she was Swedish and P.T. Barnum in the movie mm. discovers her um, and wants to take her back to, to America and that's when he kind of neglects his, his circus and his family yeah. by kind of concentrating on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they portray it that she just wants to sleep with him and basically the, and like, my issue here one of my bigger issues really here comes everything else I can accept like I probably watch the film again I'll be like meh I don't think it's the best film in the whole world but I thought Hugh Jackman's performance is amazing so I'll enjoy it but with Jenny Lind so I read up about her and she was genuinely a philanthropist they kind of made real light of this but oh, they didn't go into detail in the that. film where she was like they, he was like I'll pay you this much money and she was like I give all my money to charity and it was meant to be a bit like she was being a bit prissy yeah but actually she genuinely her whole career she established a school for orphans in back in Sweden she spent a whole life trying to support women's causes and be mm. philanthropic the reason she and P.T. Barnum split halfway along her tour and he, he gave her the rights over to her own tour so she toured by herself managing herself after about I think six months of touring with right. him as her manager making a whole loads of money because 
arguably he did do a good job, P.T. Mm. Barnum himself, and you know. But she split up with him because she thought his values weren't in line with hers. Right. She was like, she was like, you're trying to make a quick buck off me, and I don't like this. I want to be responsible for my own image. I want to, and people were in love with her, and she was an independent woman who had a beautiful voice and cared about philanthropic causes and didn't go along with P.T. Barnum, not because she wanted to have sex with him and he was like, oh no, I'm married. <laughs> she broke up with him because she broke broke with him because she felt his moral compass didn't match her own. Mm. So she was obviously a really interesting woman. And so to reduce her, again, her role to the woman who falls unwillingly in love with her tour manager and is quite like she's quite like sensual and flirtatious. Yeah, she was it was it was one of those things where she's not the villain, but she's not necessarily portrayed in the film sympathetically. No. And you you know there's this bit where um she's angry at PT Barnum. So before ending her contract with him, she kisses him on stage in front of all these photographers knowing that that Will get back to his wife, which all of course was completely dramatized. Like that didn't happen. Um, But you're right; like they do reduce her to being just the foil for the P.T. Barnum story and a classic femme fatale. Like she doesn't care about his business. She doesn't care about the fact that he might go destitute. All she cares about she's been rejected, which is not what happened. Yeah, and they didn't need to characterly assassinate her character that way. It could have. I would very much believe that she was like all you care about is money and I don't care about money because they had expressed that she was a philanthropic person yeah and she went ahead and kept touring and made loads of money and then married a pianist I think so I think what we're kind of saying though essentially is that what makes this film a success is the music the choreography the staging Mm -hmm. not the story nope not Hugh Jackman so why don't filmmakers listen to what people want and have the story be about Jenny Lind and how you know I would there were so many great other characters in it they could have focused on and they could Mm -hmm. have as you said made it more diverse and it kind of comes down to you know one of these like major problems in Hollywood that they think probably it's even like an unconscious bias thing Mm -hmm. that people think that a film should be led by a man or a woman's cell yeah like you know a sort of middle-aged quite famous like you know big hitter big hitter like white actor who's been in but you have to have some like films. you know have to have some people of color and you have to have some women and they can't be too you know uh, they can't be too failing because otherwise people wouldn't like it it's like you're right like they don't seem to realize that the issue the greatest showman had is because it was a it thought a it thought it was going to do well you could tell from the yeah, film and b thought. they focused on things and they focused on things that weren't going to make it a big hitter and obscured stuff that it already had that would have made it, yeah. I think, people, more my favourite film. People much would have preferred if that film had been the Jenny Lynn story or, um, you know, about Zendaya. Like, how did she become an acrobat, for example? Like, that's really fascinating, and, you know? And again, her and Zac Efron are such charismatic performers. Yeah. Charismatic even. I, honestly, as soon as Zac Efron turned up in the film, I was like, yeah, I'm sold. I love Zac Efron. I think he's smart, clever. I think he's a great dancer and actor, singer. I think Zendaya is equally good. Yeah, and <laughs> I, would, I would say I'm, I'm less a... Less of a Zac Efron fan. Oh, I am also a Zac Efron fan, just quite yeah, but, but But even so, I found, yeah, you know, I found, I really like Zendaya and I found that storyline more interesting. So, quite compelling. Yeah. We didn't see enough of it, did we? No, and it would be interesting to see whether there is, you know, a move away from these kind of more traditional mm. male-led uh, rags-to-riches storylines. Because in lots of ways, it was a very conventional story of, like, a man mm. who, like, strives above his station, who succeeds, abandons his family for a bit, realises the error of his ways, and then, you know, goes back to them. Oh, like, yeah. That's, like, a very generic story that we've all heard a lot. Oh, my gosh, And actually, so right. if that was a woman's story, 
or just um, you know a slightly differently told story that would have been more interesting. Yeah, they wouldn't even have had to change too much of it. They no, could have just no. like focusing on or, or just it was it was billed as an ensemble cast film, and it honestly wasn't. And that was what by the time he was running through the scene towards his family, I was just there being like, "I love you, Hugh Jackman. I do. I think you're great." But I don't. He start a song, and I'd be like, uh, "Not another one." And like he start he starts like fifth. 60% of the songs he sings 75% of them mm. and I'm just like Mm-mm. I think so definitely let us know listeners if you really liked this film oh, because yeah. I haven't come across anybody who has, really loved, has it. loved it really yeah. like most people I know they've like either they've loved the soundtrack or they've loved like one element of it but mm. I haven't come across anyone who's probably who had, thought the whole package was no good. so um, yeah if you did think that we'd be really interested and if you you know found that you were able to see past some of these things I mean I definitely felt like we went to see it in the cinema on like a Tuesday night or something and it wasn't the film for that sort of viewing like I think if I watched it with a glass of wine on a Friday and talk through most of it, yeah. it would have been good. But equally, that's not a glowing review, yeah, is it? Yeah, so no, absolutely You not. should be able to enjoy a film. Like, In fact, really, it should be a film that you would want to see at the cinema. I honestly thought I would values. really like it. And I, I was prepared to overlook some of the problems with it, but they just kept building up. And I was like, I'm trying to be optimistic here, and I like them. But it's, honestly, you just can't ignore that some of it... I honestly, I'm literally... this. I am the key. We are the key audience for this yeah. film. And we felt so uncomfortable. We I were think, like, bleh. Exactly. And I wonder if maybe people... Like, I did read one review where they said that they thought that younger audiences might like it. Like, as in younger than us. Like, like kids. Teen, yeah, Kids sure. and teenagers. Um, or, like, young teenagers. So, perhaps that's the case. But ultimately, like, if you haven't got the uh, hashtag millennial demographic down... Yeah, we're the ones... We're the ones who are killing businesses, you know? Like, napkins. <laughs> napkin business is not going anywhere because of us. Yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of... That's showing that you're lacking. But, well, onwards and upwards. Mm. Hopefully our next cinema date will be better. <laughs> Which is planned for Sunday, It actually. is. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say, though, I do want to give kudos to the kid who played young Hugh Jackman. I thought the film started really well. Oh, yeah. I love that whole... There was a whole flashback scene where he yeah, was like... Yeah, was quite good. And he was really good and really mm. sweet. And him and the little... Him and the girl who plays his future wife have a little beginning bit. It started well. And it... Yeah, it started well, but it did go downhill after that. It was like I watched this film, um, The Fifth Wave, the other day. The zombie one with Chloe Grace Moretz in it. Oh, right. I haven't seen it. Started really well. Really strong exposition. And then it just went downhill because they couldn't handle the concepts. Same mm. with this show. The film I thought it started really well. Like, honestly, I was ready for it to be great, and, and it did wasn't... did you not think when it started that I thought they were setting up Hugh Jackman's character, and then they were going to move away from him a bit? But they didn't, you're yeah, right. Didn't, yeah. Honestly, honestly, I don't know how they could have watched it and not seen the flaws. It honestly baffles me. Probably Hugh Jackman was in the room every time, like, laughing, like... I mean, no, no hate to Hugh Jackman. He's a great guy, you know, but... I can kind of... That's kind of what I'm envisaging. It, this, is what, this is what a passion project... Prob- that's, that's the problem with passion projects. You really need to either crunch the numbers... Or do your research. That's, mm. you know, you can't just do something because you know it works. And this, is, again, it's a Hollywood problem that's still yet ongoing. Hence why they were like, oh no, a female-dominated film's never gonna work. Wonder Woman, now they're doing, you know, Black Widow at some point. They've got Red Sparrow coming out with Jennifer Lawrence. They've got, you know, Captain Marvel. This is just in the superhero and slash even, crime even like genre. a movie like Black Panther, which is obviously being very buzzed about. With the, because, with the women who people care about. Yeah, yeah, and also kind of having just a slightly different slightly different take on this like very kind of conventional story black panther is being like absolutely heralded by critics i can see how people black panther would be like it's not mainstream it's you know it's uh, urban culture people like use the word urban when it's not very popular Mm. um but the fact that the soundtrack they've released it's inspired has been very well received the film itself has been very well received even though it's dealing with themes that are not 
conventionally popular with the film watching audience just shows again that we are willing what's that there's that quote by Umberto Eco is that we're willing that people are willing to be challenged you have to just do the challenging mm. and I think that's like one of the issues with popular culture often is that they don't want to challenge people like call me by your name challenge people Emma's very successful yeah. yeah whereas I think the greatest showman will in no way challenge you as a, oh as no a it doesn't um, you don't have to be afraid of experiencing something that is something you don't understand or see every day just just because you're like, oh, I don't think I'll understand it. Well, go and see it anyway. Yeah. Experience it anyway, you know? Yeah. In terms of what we've been... Uh, enjoying. enjoying maybe more the past three weeks things we've been enjoying more than the greatest showman <laughs> i have been i was i have been enjoying the greatest showman soundtrack like i do listen to that relatively often because it's again like you said it's very Actually, easy listening speaking of things like on that on that note Ooh. um so it was helena's birthday a few weeks ago indeed and, it was uh as part of her birthday weekend of celebrations we watched moana oh yes and of course I, I had never seen moana before yeah absolutely and I love that soundtrack. It's like yeah, it's really I, good. I downloaded it. I, I just thought it. I mean, I really loved the film as well. I just genuinely enjoyed that film so much and thought it was so well done. Yeah, um, that's an example of a good, of well done yeah, Oscar Buzz film. Exactly, and a musical and a film that manages to kind of embrace the sort of some elements of things being quite cheesy, but mm. also. I genuinely found really moving. I mean, we did watch it after we had just gone for this, like, incredibly long walk. And we, were, quite, and we were all quite, like, hungover. <laughs> yeah. So that could have played a part. But could have played a part, yeah. I have also really enjoyed the listening to the music and found it really refreshing that there isn't a love interest in the film. Yeah, absolutely. But you yeah. don't feel that lacking. You don't feel that presence needed to be there. And, you know, it's very much her story. And it's about family story and, and love, family, and yeah. Kind of I loved it. So... Um, yeah, but just a little shout out to that film. I think most people have probably seen it as it did come out a yeah. while ago. Yeah, I will say Disney, I always thought that like Disney and DreamWorks to an extent, and Pixar, they they often produce more empowering films. Mm. You know, think about, you know, obviously there's a certain a certain culture they're playing into with their princess films, sure. But equally, there's films that have had female heroines since 19, the 1930s. Yeah. Um, and that really espouse familial love and believing in yourself and not taking no for an answer. Think about Tiana, Prince and the Frog, for example. Mm. Or if you think about the emotional journey that someone from the kid from Inside Out goes through with all her emotions yeah. and learning to it's become really okay with sadness. Thing. Like, yeah. actually, these moralistic tales they're giving to children can be slightly traditional, can be slightly like, you know... Um, what's it heteronormative in Mm. terms of being like this is how you should behave in society that's not the point the point is that like I find that Disney films actually do a lot for moving forward cultures of films that are unusual and different and are playing to new audiences because they're looking for new audiences everywhere yeah that leads you to film like Moana who is a non-white Disney princess isn't a princess as she says she Mm. says I'm not actually a princess she's gonna be the chief because that's you know there's no patrilineal you know, uh, inheritance in her, yeah. on her random island. It's about voyaging and travelling and finding who you are and believing in yourself. Yeah, and, and connecting with your family history and your culture. driving forward. And, yeah, and also the music is just amazing. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's from Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton, yeah. so perhaps that's why. But So I often yeah. think that, like, it's not a surprise to me. Because, again, Disney know how to make an Oscar-winning film. Because they've done it before. It's, it's so true. But I, I still found it to be refreshing... Um, compared to something like Frozen, which I'm not saying is a different bad market, film, yeah. but it is a different market, and I found it to be a lot more like 
I've sort of been recommending it to people who I wouldn't have necessarily thought would normally enjoy yeah, that kind absolutely. of film. So, so what do you do with The Princess and the Frog? Like, that was their first African-American heroine. Yeah. And people didn't really pay much attention to it because I think that was their last hand-drawn and then they went to Community Animated and then one, the one that came after that was not Frozen, it was Tangled. Mm. Also great, but different thing. Um, so it kind of got pushed to the back a bit, but I recommend that as one of the best Disney films out there. It's honestly absolutely fantastic, so... I will say, yeah, definitely kudos to Disney. Yeah. I'll give that to them. I'm not surprised either. So what else have you been enjoying recently, Helena? Me? Well, aside from... Oh, we watched 10 Things I Hate About You again, didn't oh, we? so good. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a, a weekend of great films. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's a film that... I mean, my love of 10 Things I Hate About You, if you know me, is not by any And now you know it. <laughs> um, but I also really admire how that film really stands up to the test of time. It wasn't dated, did it? It didn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. And um, the heroine, Kat, played by Julia Stiles, is... You know, very much. A, she's a feminist. She mm. is does what she wants. She is quite outspoken. She she's not really demonised for it either. No, but she's not. In fact, she's very much admired. And her sister, who at the beginning doesn't quite understand it, actually becomes more like her. Mm-hmm. The men in her life have to sort of accept it that you know both her father and her boyfriend yeah. and the other pe- people. And I just think that that film is so great. And I'm so glad that I watched that when I was young. And you know, yeah, also. Absolutely. Oh, I've got to say Hugh Jackman. I don't know that's not his name. What's his name? Why is it? How has it gone from my mind? It's gone from my mind as well. I know who you're talking about. He played the Joker. Heath Ledger. <laughs> Honestly, if you could see my face right now, I'm very distressed. How did we forget him? Heath, oh, why? No, Heath Ledger. I love him as well, and I think he's great in that film. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then I also have been um, reading... I read Call Me By Your Name because obviously Francesca, <laughs> she's currently looking very proud, uh, bought me the, um, the book version for my birthday. Great. Also, she got me a shirt that said Strong Female Lead on it, which is just mm. equally as fantastic. Also, very appropriate. As also, well. very appropriate. So, and it's actually the only book I've ever owned that I've been happy to have the movie tie in cover. Because I it's don't know. It's a good know, cover. Yeah, if you don't know about this, um, you don't know about this, um, what publishing companies do is they uh, recover a book if there's a film tie-in coming out with the film title, with the film cover. Yeah. Which often bugs me because I'm like, it's commercialised, often it doesn't really make any sense because book covers are meant to like book covers, not like film That's posters. That's true, it's a different kind of effect, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, with Calling By Your Name, of course, the film itself is very artsy and very beautiful and the cover, all the all of the press materials looked really great. There was yeah. that wide blue sky and the two, it's the two of them... Like sort of leaning on one another. Yeah, and obviously um, Timothy Chalamet is facing front, leaning up, and then Army Hammer's behind him looking up the other way and then they have that beautiful yellow scroll Calling By Your Name. So, mm. A, that was beautiful. I really enjoyed having it in my bag. <laughs> um, and I will say, I enjoyed the book as much as I enjoyed the film and there was a lot of depth about the film that you don't see until you read the book and then look yeah. back at it and you're like the actors are playing it as they've read the book because especially Timothy Chalamet because his character Elio it's from his perspective the book so he could see a lot there was a lot of insight in there the army hammer as Oliver didn't really have so that made it more difficult for army hammer I assume and they have he has said that, yeah, said but that yeah there are also I will say there was a weird section at the end which they did leave out of the film when they're in Rome together um, and in the film they just sort of like cavort around Rome in the evening and have a nice time and get a bit drunk mm. and they dance that song they dance together mm. back in um, the town which I don't remember the Crema? name of now Crema yeah, yeah. Um, but in the book he goes off on this weird like e- evening out with a very pretentious literary set who he meets at a book launch that Oliver's invited to in Rome so they both go they well, both yeah. go and it's sort of like a lot of like sort of like 
kind of slightly sexual encounters with other women, like the like the publisher's wife and his two daughters, he sort of feels his connection with them on like a basic level. And it's more meant to be like Elio's sort of experience of like life and connection with humanity mm. um, and Rome and love. And he sort of, and it's, it's meant to be very like romantic idea of having a literary evening out, but it just came across as pretentious yeah. to me. I just kind of, I kind of, and it stuck out. Um, in the yeah, rest of the, in the I didn't really book. skim read any of it, but I skim read that bit because it was just sort of Elio being like, and I felt so connected to these people, and then this person turned up, and this person gave like a three-page speech about <laughs> the about human nature, and right. it was sort of a weirdly philosophical bit, a la Tolstoy. felt okay. felt very Russian, in kind of spirit and voice mm. that just was boring so i see where they left it out the rest of it ended beautifully the speech from the dad is this one in the book yeah there is that sort of like tension about whether the dad's bisexual or right. gay or not um so it is so a lot of the film is very very similar to the book apart from that one section in rome which i'm not surprised it took out because mm. it, it made the book drag and i guess it doesn't really it didn't add, add anything much. to their relationship no. which is the focus isn't yeah. it so. but it's really beautifully written really evocative of italy as well Elio is the perfect sort of, like, nervous, anxious young person. Like, I completely empathise with him. Mm. Like, he was me as a 17-year-old. So, yeah, I would really recommend reading it. It's by Andre Asiman, if you didn't already know. Um, and just skip over the bit with the pretentious literary types, because I just got really bored. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm now going to be, like, waiting for that bit, like, when I'm reading it. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, because you're going you're to borrow it off me when yeah, I'm done, yeah. But, yeah, definitely, definitely worth reading as a companion to the film, I mm. think so. They're both, they're both very beautiful... Um, adaptations of one story. Nice. So yeah, that's what I've got. That's what I've got for this week. Yeah. Well, I've been. I've watched two TV shows recently. Uh, one of them is finished. The other one has just started. Both of which are about kind of young women finding their way in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is called Derry Girls, and it's about like a group of teenagers, like teenage girls and one boy, who are growing up in Derry slash London Derry in uh-huh. the nineties during like the Irish Troubles but it's a comedy Uh, so it's very much like how their lives are in lots of ways unaffected by this actual like real big threat that's going on because they're just preoccupied with like boys and parties and school and um, there's a lot of humour that comes from the fact they go to this uh, quite strict Catholic girls school Yeah, it's kind of, it was compared a lot Apparently one review, I, I'm afraid I can't remember who actually said this, but one review called it Inbetweeners for Clever Girls. Oh, okay. And I, I like, can kind of see that because like it does have a lot of the vibe of the Inbetweeners and it's a Channel 4 comedy. And when you start watching it, you are very much like, okay, I'm in the, I'm in the Channel 4 comedy realm, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, you know, it's like half an hour and like there's a lot of like, it'll always end with like a funny thing, mm. you know, and then the funny thing isn't really followed up on in the next episode, you know what <laughs> sure, I mean? Like, yeah. um, but I've, I actually really enjoyed it because at first I felt, although I, I liked it kind of from the beginning, I was like, oh, I feel like I could also kind of take it or leave it. Mm. But yeah, I got quite into it and I thought it was quite an interesting way, you know, of, uh, particularly probably for people who grew up and really remember that time of seeing actually this kind of day-to-day realities of their life portrayed on screen. Yeah. Um, you know, and anybody who's grown up in any kind of conflict, uh, big or small, or any kind of particular time, you mm-hmm. know, often things are, when they're talked about, are always the negative stuff is always talked about, but actually people don't comment on the fact that you still went to school. You but, were still living, yeah. Yeah, there were soldiers you got on your bus on the way to school and you were like eyeing them up, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. So... I really enjoyed that and I think um, there was a really good use of music and like, the 90s fashion was really fun. Oh, and yeah, so that was good. And then the other thing I just started watching, which premiered on Amazon Prime 
this past weekend I believe it's called the bold type and it's about three girls who work at a fashion fictionalized fashion magazine in in New York and I was telling Helena about this earlier and she was like is it like a Christmas prince <laughs> but I was like yeah that was my fear like I was like oh god it's It'd gonna be, that be terrible it's gonna be like you know a sort of really bad rom-com somebody making magazines. terrible bullet point notes yeah. but actually <laughs> I feel nervous sorry carry on no actually it really isn't and they actually are three girls who started off at assistance in this magazine and yeah. one of them is now the social media director mm-hmm. one of them is thinking about going into like ad sales and the other one is now a writer which was also quite refreshing and they're all doing slightly different things which is realistic of like if, yeah. they, were, if they were in a magazine started off as assistants um and then the sort of like things that they come across like they have like board meetings with this very middle-aged white male board where they're trying to persuade them that they want to have um, you know, a different direction for the magazine. And so it's sort of got some of that, like, fun sex in the city, like, girls in New York aspect yeah. to it. But it does also feel quite modern. Like, people use their phones and, um, you know, it seems to be quite politically conscious. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm enjoying that. I watched two episodes the other day, like, back-to-back. And, yeah. um I also think it had a really solid pilot. You know when, like, a show has a really bad pilot and then you uh, recommend it to people and they're just like... Like Parks no. and Rec. Yeah, Parks and Rec, yeah. Um, it had a good pilot that really got you to understand the characters, which was like, yeah, sure, yeah, props to them. So, I would recommend. Mm. Yeah, actually, talking about Parks and Rec, I did not realize this. So, obviously, Galentine's and Valentine's Day has just come and gone. Yeah, um, and I celebrated Galentine's Day. Yeah, uh, and I was just to myself, and everyone in my office knew what it was when I talked about it. Yeah, I was like, Galentine's Day. Like, yeah, yeah, Galentine's Day. Like the BD girls talking about mm. it too. Um, and I looked it up, and literally, Parks and Rec invented that, it. That's them. Yeah, like, the reason it's a thing is because of them. I just love it. The cultural impact of a great show like that, I think it's yeah, really Yeah, it's really cool. And I know Rashida Jones, uh, who was in Parks and Rec, yeah. she uh, posted a picture on Instagram of her and Amy Poehler and... Aubrey oh, Plaza. Um, Aubrey Plaza, yeah. Um, and then I think maybe someone else who was like one of the producers or something mm. um, about how they were having their own Galentine's Day. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. No, like, I know. So, but it's like, such a great show. I mean, Helena and I are big fans of Parks and Rec. We'll and, recommend. Like, it's such a kind of like comfort watch for me as well like yeah like it's it's like i don't know i find it like topical and woke as people like to say and i have said too to be honest with you um without being pushy and it's just so smart and it's like maybe yeah. and like it's so like friendship friendly it's so much like empowering female friendships empowering male friendships empowering work friendships and you know placing familial and um, filial love at the same time as romantic love i think it's so refreshing i find it so refreshing yeah i agree and i think it was one of those like benchmark shows that people like currently are trying to replicate and people will continue to try and replicate and yeah. be inspired by for like a long time to come definitely yeah, so definitely but um yeah let's wrap up there yeah and that's what, well, that's we, what we will be doing. back discussing Ladybird and the shape of the water. I can't shape, shape of, of the, the water. water. I think it's like I'm, too many long like titles yeah, in this I'm Oscar. Honestly, ones. so excited to see Shape of Water. I've been so excited for it, and also Ladybird. I mean, Saoirse Ronan. I've loved her since um, Atonement. Atonement. All those years ago. Although, did anyone love her in Atonement, or is everyone like, oh, I appreciate what she done? I appreciate how good I, she was. I appreciated her, and also shout out to her because she is the same age as us. Which always struck me in Atonement because I remember when I watched it, I was like, "I'm also 13, oh, of course. but I'm not an actress." <laughs> oh, she's killing it, and you just oh, haven't she... seen Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, great film. She's so great, and yeah, I just I love her. I love how she has a great friendship with um, Timothy Chalamet as well. Yeah, I'm like, yes, you know, I would be so up for like them being like the new king and queen of Hollywood. That's oh, what definitely, because Timothy Chalamet is also incredibly 
seems like a very smart, intelligent... Well, I think they've both come over so well in press. I mean, clearly they are both intelligent, make good choices in their mm. films and mm-hmm. are very thoughtful about the things that they do. Um, but that really does come across, which is nice. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's what we have to look forward to. Hopefully they'll be gushing reviews. Hopefully they won't be like, well, that was terrible. Oh, that was a disappointment. I think they so. couldn't do that to us. Um, and I'm also going to see Black Panther in the next week, I would say, because me and my friend are like jonesing to see it so i might have a couple of thoughts yeah, on that good. yeah i do also want to see and that our book club may have passed by that point maybe yeah well we'll we'll see let's let's get to that let's not get too excited <laughs> but yes thank you for listening as ever you can connect with us on our twitter at real llw we use the hashtag llw show in most of our tweets so you can track us through that as well mm. we have a email with an email which is loves labors watch no punctuation at gmail.com we want to that so if you have any questions comments uh i don't know if you want to do a film review anything you like feedback send yeah, it over we're we happy it. to listen to it read it even um and yeah and we will see you in the next episode bye, bye guys. <laughs>